0: Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories, with your host, Brian Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring workday. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Calling Dr. Death, from 1943. The studio's Universal Pictures the release date was December 17th, 1943. The running time, 63 minutes, and it was in black and white. Leonard Malt from his classic movie guide gives it 2 out of 4 stars. He writes ultra-low budget mystery about a neurologist, played by Lon Chaney Jr., who was tormented by the realization that he may have killed his unfaithful wife during a moment of madness. Chaney is badly miscast. Now, personally, I disagree with Leonard Maltin about Chaney being miscast because I've always enjoyed his work, but to each their own. If you're a fan of Damn Good Movie Memories, you know I'm a huge fan of old-time radio programs from the 30s and the 40s. And much of what I try to do with each Damn Good Movie Memories episode is very much in the vein of those classic programs with regards to the art of storytelling and verbally presenting something for you to enjoy with your ears. And this is why when I saw on TCM or AMC way back when, you know, films that were adaptations based on original radio shows. I always check those out. And I was thrilled when Mill Creek released the six original Inner Sanctum films on DVD in 2021. And Calling Dr. Death is the first of six films, and they all starred Lon Chaney Jr., Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So the radio program, Inner Sanctum, was very popular on NBC radio and was one of the first radio horror series of its kind. Other horror radio shows included The Witch's Tale, The Hermit's Tale, Lights Out, and even The Shadow had elements of horror with its supernatural feel. Inner Sanctum eventually morphed into more mysteries than horror, mostly due to its sponsor Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup, And they wanted more mysteries and less horror. Hyman Brown, who was the producer of the radio program, actually forbade Universal Pictures from using any of those existing stories that were broadcast on the radio from being adapted to film. And it was claimed that Brown did this because Universal refused to pay Brown the huge sum of money he wanted to be part of the film series. His asking price would have been almost as much as the entire film's budget. Additionally, none of the published print stories could be used for the film adaptations either. Essentially, the only connection between the radio program and the novels from Simon & Schuster was the title and the logo. So the six films made by Universal were all original screenplays and included a mention of Simon & Schuster in the opening title cards. By the way, if you didn't know already, the meaning behind the title of Inner Sanctum, well, it's a metaphor for the mind. Not to be outdone, another very popular mystery radio program called The Whistler did a similar thing for Columbia Pictures a year later by having actor Richard Dix star in each of their eight film adaptations. Other radio shows that turned into film series include The Falcon, Boston Blackie, and The Saint. So calling Dr. Death director Reginald LeBorg was mainly a musical short film director starting in the mid-1930s, and his full-length feature film debut occurred also in 1943 with a film called She's For Me. Calling Dr. Death would be his second full-length film. LeBorg would go on to direct the next two Inner Sanctum films. Now, LeBorg had a good working relationship with Lon Chaney Jr. As they did three Inner Sanctum films, along with a universal monster movie in 1944, The Mummy's Ghost. And then ten years later, they worked together on The Black Sleep. Now, most of the folks pretty much remember Lon Chaney Jr. for his iconic role as Lawrence Talbot in the original Wolfman from 1941. Of course, he's also the son of horror icon Lon Chaney, who was considered one of the most groundbreaking horror actors. He had his inventive use of makeup, especially in his version of The Phantom of the Opera from 1925. Now, Cheney Jr. was one of the few actors to play almost every major monster role in the original Universal Monster series, and he was hopeful that the Inner Sanctum series would give him a chance to break out of being typecast for only horror and monster films. Cheney's co-lead in this first Inner Sanctum film was Patricia Morrison, who plays Stella, and she was actually a replacement, as Gail Sondergaard was originally cast as it. Sondergaard and Cheney Jr. were going to star in the entire Inner Sanctum series together, but obviously that didn't pan out. However, according to LeBorg, there were rumors that Sondergaard was removed from the series due to her outspoken political views at the time. It's no wonder that during the communist scare of the 1950s that she was one of the actors blacklisted. Interestingly enough, Sondergaard was one of the early choices to play the Wicked Witch in The Wizard of Oz, but the producers felt she was quote-unquote too beautiful to play the role, and she was never cast. So Patricia Morrison at the time was dubbed as the next Dorothy L'Amour. Which she didn't care about because she wanted to be her own person. She has said that calling Doctor Death was one of her favorite roles and loved her early B movie career. She later became a big star on Broadway and often appeared in TV shows for the later half of her career. Okay, let's get into the film. So the Inner Sanctum films all begin with an intro of a floating head in a crystal ball.
1: This is the Inner
2: Sanctum a strange, fantastic world controlled by a mass of living, pulsating flesh. The mind, it destroys,
1: distorts, creates monsters, commits murder. Yes, even you, without knowing, Can commit murder?
0: So, Inner Sanctum radio producer Hyman Brown denied the film producers at Universal to use the famous creaking door intro, which was heard on every radio episode of Inner Sanctum. And this is why you get the creepy crystal ball opening during the films. The creaking door was so iconic that it was trademarked. Only one other sound in U.S. history has been trademarked, and that was the NBC chimes. I always loved the score of classic black and white films, especially horror and mystery films. Even B-movies had great scores. So the film begins with Dr. Mark Steele, that's Lon Chaney Jr., and he's hypnotizing a patient. Mark is a renowned neurologist and is assisted by a nurse that works for him named Stella, played by Patricia Morrison. Mark uses hypnosis to help his patients clear mental blocks they may be having. In the case of his current patient, it's a woman who hasn't been able to speak after a serious car accident. Even though Mark is successful with his career, he's tormented that his personal life is a failure, as he can't connect with his wife Maria, played by Ramsey Ames. We hear Mark's thoughts after his last patient.
1: After two years of marriage to Maria, it's no go we were terribly in love from the moment we met at least I was she certainly fooled me so beautiful she wore a perfect mask I couldn't see beyond it (laughs) Dr. Mark Steele eminent neurologist can't read his own wife's mind everybody else could everybody else did Even Stella knows it. She probably knew it the day I married Maria. Stella's a fine person. She's not only a nurse. She's my co-worker and confidant. I depend on her more and more. Five o'clock. How I wish the hands would never move. My work keeps me occupied. I don't think of myself. Now I've got to go home to her I dread it But I must face it It's bad to run away from things you fear They mustn't be allowed to beat you
3: Good night, doctor See you in the morning
1: Her grip is so firm, her hand so cool As if she wanted to tell me something Thank you, Stella
0: Mark goes home and eats dinner alone, as his wife has been detained with other business, according to their butler. With every passing minute, Mark becomes more and more resentful of his wife. He can't sleep, as his wife isn't home, and it's 3 a.m. Without thinking, Mark calls Stella at her home, not even realizing how late it is. He apologizes when Stella tells him how late it is. But Stella knows something is wrong if Mark is calling so late. But she's kind to him and goes back to sleep. After hanging up the phone, Maria finally arrives home. Mark looks out the window and sees Maria getting out of a car driven by an unknown man.
3: Maria. Oh, it's... What are you doing, spying on me? Well, why don't you say something? Spying, always spying.
1: Maria, I want to talk to you. You must listen to reason. Hmm.
3: I know just what you're going to say. You poor fool. Do you think I'm stupid? <laughs> Stop, it. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Get your hands off me!
1: Maria, we can't go on like this.
3: You'd like to get away from me, wouldn't you? But you can't. I like my title. a doctor's wife. I have money, position, and there's nothing you can do about it. No, Doctor. There's nothing you can do.
1: I'm not so sure.
3: Not murder, Doctor. You haven't the courage. I wonder.
0: Mark then goes into Maria's room as she is laying on the bed with her eyes closed. In a flash, we think he's going to strangle her but instead their pet bird makes a screeching noise and we simply see mark standing next to maria he's not touching her at all he quietly leaves the room to maria's shock the next morning mark goes to his office and has a talk with stella
3: good morning doctor good
1: morning stella i'm sorry about that call last night i didn't realize that it was so late
3: oh i understand
1: there's something that i have to talk to you about stella I had another row with my wife last night.
3: Why are you telling me this?
1: Because for the first time, Maria made me realize that... Oh, Stella, we're adults. This business of hiding the truth from one another, that's not being honest.
0: There's nothing we can do about it.
1: No, I guess there isn't.
0: So Mark goes home in the early afternoon and finds out that his wife went away for the weekend. Infuriated that his wife is likely with another man, Mark drives recklessly, almost running into a moving train. We then see Mark sleeping at his desk. Stella discovers him and informs him that it's Monday, but Mark has no recollection of the weekend at all. But that's not the only surprise Mark receives.
3: Mark, there are two men outside, detectives.
1: Detectives?
3: Yes, and I don't think it's a professional call.
1: Well, we'll soon see. Yes, gentlemen? We'd like to see you alone, doctor. I'm sorry, but Miss Madden is always present at my interviews. Okay. When did you last see your wife? What are you talking about?
2: Murder. Your wife's been killed. Uh, she? At your lodge sometime during the weekend.
4: Better come along with us. Identify the body.
2: I'll be right with you.
3: Won't you be seated? Excuse me. Mark, you mustn't say a word. You were with me Saturday and Sunday.
1: That's why Stella is so I have no alibi. Don't even know where I was. It's
3: horrible.
1: Oh, this whole thing, it's ridiculous.
3: Please do as I say.
0: Mark goes with the detectives to a house where Maria's body is found. The place is already covered with police and reporters who have been tipped off about the murder. Maria's body is on the floor of the bedroom. The room is a mess with furniture toppled over. It appears like there was a major struggle. Maria's skull was crushed in and her face was burned badly with acid. This was not a random killing. Somebody truly hated Maria and wanted her suffering before killing her. Why the police would let Mark view the body alone is beyond me, because as anyone knows, the spouse is always the first suspect in any murder. But I know, it's just a movie. But Mark finds a small button next to Maria's body and picks it up. And he does this before the lead detective, Inspector Greg, played by J. Carroll Nash, even questions Mark.
2: Doctor... I hope you'll excuse me for questioning you at this time, but it's important. Did she have any enemies that you know of? No. There was a man with her. The gas attendant down the way gave us a description. Do you know who he was? I have no idea. Oh. The description resembles you. Pretty messy, throwing acid in a woman's face and killing her. Motive could be Jealousy. I wasn't jealous of my wife No offense, doctor But under the circumstances Wife, strange man, collage If you want me for
1: any further questioning You will find me at my office
0: Mark returns to his office and talks to Stella. In the conversation, Mark talks about the button he found. And then we discover that Mark is missing a button on his suit jacket sleeve, and it matches. Mark is convinced he killed his wife in a blackout rage. But then the phone rings, Mark gets some unbelievable news. Inspector Greg informs Mark they've arrested a man who they believe killed Maria. Stella is relieved, but Mark isn't convinced. The accused man is named Robert Duvall. (laughs) <laughs> Not that guy. The actor is actually played by David Bruce. Robert Duval is an architect who is having an affair with Maria. Mark meets with Robert in the jail visitor room, and Robert gives his side of the story.
1: So that's the accused man, Robert Duval, the architect. Looks like the man I saw Maria kiss that night in the car features are strong and clean he doesn't look at all like a criminal it's hard to believe dr Steele. you've got to believe me i didn't kill maria i loved her maria and i were very much in love with each other i thought there's nothing in the world i wouldn't do for her then suddenly she began to lie to lead me on she said that she was going to leave you i believed her And then out at the cabin, it turned out to be another one of her lies. She admitted that she loved me, but she refused to give up her security, her position in society. She was drunk. We quarreled and I left. That was the last I saw of her. After that, I drove all night. The police didn't believe me. I I had no proof. They won't give me a chance, Dr. Steele. You've got to help me. I believe you. Duval, as an individual, I'm not interested in you. But as a human being, I feel it my duty to help you.
2: All right, Duval. I agree with you, doctor. I don't think Duval's guilty either. You know what I think? What? I think you killed your wife. How could you do it? Maria was so beautiful. Her of her life. You knew my wife? Doctor, how would I know your wife?
0: Mark returns to his office and overhears a woman talking to Stella, insisting to see Mark. It's Robert Duvall's wife, Faye. And she's wheelchair-bound. And Mark agrees to see her.
3: Doctor, you've got to help my husband. He told me he talk to you. He isn't guilty. I know he isn't. I swear... I had to talk to someone. I'm alone. You don't know what it means to...
1: Go on now. Tell me all about yourself.
3: We'd been married happily ten years. Then he came to me one day and told me he didn't love me anymore. There was a woman, he wouldn't tell me who she was. He wanted to marry her. I couldn't give him up, Dr. Steele. I thought he'd get over it. He didn't. He started out of the house. I ran after him. When I got to the head of the stairs, I stumbled. When I woke up, I was in the hospital, paralyzed. I've been this way for a year now. Bob and I were miserable. Saturday, we talked things over. He told me he was going to the woman. Dr. Willard, my physician, had told me the day before I wouldn't walk again. I didn't want to ruin Bob's life, having to wheel me around like a baby. So I told him he could do as he pleased. Then he came over and kissed me. For the first time in a long while, he left. The next thing I knew, he'd been accused of murder. Oh, Dr. Steele, you've got to help us. When this is all over, we'll be happy again, just the two of us. Oh, I know I'm not as beautiful as your wife.
1: but Mrs. Duvall, I understand what you've been through. And I promise that I'll do everything in my power to help you.
3: Dr. Steele, you don't know what he means to me. He's all I've got.
1: I know. You have my word.
3: Thank you, Dr.
1: I'll call you in a day or two.
0: So the case goes to trial with Robert not standing a chance with all of the circumstantial evidence against him. He's found guilty and sentenced to death for the murder of Maria. This does not relieve Mark, as he still feels that he's the one who killed Maria, and his conscience won't allow him any peace of mind. So Mark gets a visit from Inspector Gregg at his home. What's the matter, doctor? Nerves?
2: Or conscience? What are you doing here? Oh, I had a hunch. I believe if you follow a gilly man long enough, no matter how he tries or where he hides, he's bound to break. Why don't you confess? I don't know what you
1: mean. Oh, you don't, huh?
2: You've always experimented with life, Doctor. You've gone beyond life into the brain. The subconscious. Pretty dangerous invading the unknown. You learn strange things. You think of strange things. I understand you even uh, do. Exactly what do you mean? An innocent man's gonna die, Doctor. Or you'll confess sooner or later because you can't escape your conscience. Already it's beginning to bother you. Why don't you confess now? hmm? You're mad man no no doctor did it ever occur to you that perhaps you are Uh, no everybody else is that's what all of you think you know doctor it isn't death that frightens men it's waiting anticipation your conscience haunting you in your sleep in your dreams. Get out. So easy. Just a few little words. That's all it'll take. Expensive must be your nerves. I check that
1: I've got to find out. Self-hypnosis. Yes, that's the only way.
0: The inspector accidentally knocked over a lamp, which caused a loud bang. Mark decides to put himself under hypnosis with the help of Stella in an attempt to try to remember what happened during the weekend that Maria was killed. Mark records what he says while he's under. After completing the recording, Inspector Gregg arrives at the office and listens to the recording.
1: What are you doing here? How
0: did you get in?
3: He's trying to blame you. He wants me to help him. Don't try to fight it, doctor.
2: It has to come.
3: Don't listen to him, Mark. You didn't do it. You told me so yourself. It's on the recording.
1: I told you what happened last Saturday and Sunday? Yes. I got into the car, drove directly to the lodge. I found Maria there. She was alone. She was drunk. She accused me of following her. We argued. I pushed her away, ran out. As I got into my car, through the rearview mirror I saw Duval enter the house. He must have hidden behind the tree. When he first heard my approach Disgusted I drove back to my office Took a sedative A little too strong I began to fall asleep Then
3: for the condition he was in when he made the recording He hypnotized himself I helped him
2: Maybe you helped him get rid of his wife Leave her out of this or I'll What? Kill me? No, that isn't the solution Why didn't you tell me you were at the lodge? I didn't know it amnesia doctor
3: yes i found him here asleep the next morning
2: very convenient but hardly probable however this interests me you call that a subconscious voice hmm doctor does it always tell the truth invariably you see doctor i disagree with you and i'll tell you why you don't want to die for more reasons than one i believe in the will to live and you want to live You're well-trained, Doctor. I also believe you can control the subconscious. Now, I'm afraid you haven't got a chance. Oh, uh, I owe you a vote of thanks, though. You're a big game, Doctor. Makes the chase interesting.
3: He's mad.
2: Perhaps, but not without reason.
3: But the record...
1: I know but the will to live, it might be strong enough to control the subconscious. Still, I'm, I'm afraid he may be right.
0: All right, so even though Mark is under hypnosis and has cleared himself, is that really any proof that he really didn't kill his wife? Well, Inspector Greg is certainly convinced Mark is the murderer, but will it matter if Robert is executed for the crime he's been convicted of? So the final 20 minutes of the film answers all of your questions, and it's a doozy. <laughs> you might think you have a grasp on what happened, but there's so many twists and turns it keeps you guessing. So the films in this quick little B-movie Inter Sanctum series, they're a lot of fun, and if you can find them, it's essentially like watching a TV show episode. I think you can find them on different streaming platforms. Not to mention, believe it or not, this film is beautifully shot considering it was not a big budget film. So check it out if you enjoy classic mysteries. And if you want to hear another tale from the radio version of Inner Sanctum, which is how the series began after all, you can listen to The Black Seagull, which was also from 1943 and it features Peter Lorre as the main character. And I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection.
4: Inner Sanctum Mysteries, starring Peter Laurie, brought to you by Carter's Little Liver Pills. Before we open the squeaking door on Inner Sanctum this evening, here's a message the government would like to have passed on to you. Women are urgently needed now in war plants and essential industries. There are all kinds of war jobs which don't involve machinery or tools, such as driving a bus or taxi working in a laundry, restaurant, school, or day nursery. And in filling these jobs, women are relieving men for heavier work. Ladies, if you live in an area where there's a shortage of war workers, go to the office of the United States Employment Service nearest your home at once. The address is in your local telephone book. But remember, do not move to a crowded war center in search of a job. It will only add to the housing and living problem already existing there. Your first and only necessary step to volunteer your services in a war job is to visit your local United States Employment Service office. Get yourself a war job and hasten the day of victory. And now we open the squeaking door.
5: Good evening, friends of the inner sanctum. This is Raymond, your host. I'm glad you came tonight because we have a very special guest of uh, horror with us. I'd like you to meet the late Johnny Gravestone, the most celebrated member of the Inner Sanctum Ghost Society. He is the best haunter of them all. Johnny is the tall figure in a white sheet wearing the blue ribbon. He's haunted everything, from a palace to a telephone booth. And, uh, if you're very nice to him, he'll be glad to consider giving your house to once-over. Who oh, no. knows? He may even haunt you.
4: <laughs> Tonight's Inner Sanctum story, The Black Seagull, is an original radio drama by Sigmund Miller and stars Peter Laurie in the role of Richard Blake. It's produced under the direction of Hyman Brown. Inner Sanctum Mysteries are brought to you by Carter's Little Liver Pills. When you feel dull, headachey, sluggish, take Carter's two-way treatment to, first, start your liver bile flowing quickly. Second, get comfortable relief from irregularity.
5: Well, we're about to begin our story. Oh, uh... I forgot to warn you about the tremblins. They're those pesky invisible cousins of the gremlins. They sidle up to you, give you quick little shoves, and create the false impression that you're trembling. If you're being troubled by a tremblin', just grab him by his invisible little horns and stick him into the nearest pincushion. Dusk is settling fast along the Carolina coast. A few miles out at sea, a motorboat rides through the choppy waters. Dr. Griffin and Richard Blake are frantically scanning the horizon looking
6: for Richard's wife, Barbara, who's lost in sailboat. It's getting dark, Richard. We've got to find her before nightfall. Perhaps she's gotten back home by now. We've been gone for over an hour. The mast was loose in the sailboat. It would never hold out in that wind. Barbara is in a disabled boat. We haven't much gasoline left. I'm not going back until we find her. The only thing we can do is call the Coast Guard. Did you hear that, Dr. Griffin? Yes. Seagulls.
4: It
6: sounded like a human cry.
4: Oh, no. It's only the gulls, Richard. Listen. It's the same sound. No.
6: This is no bird cry. That was Barbara. That was the cry of a seagull. See? He's right above us. A black seagull. A black gull. Completely black. It's an ominous sign. Something has happened to Barbara. Oh, come now, I hope you don't believe in that superstitious nonsense. Look, over there. Do you see it? It looks like a boat. It's Barbara. The mast. The mast is down. We'd better get over there fast. Here, Help me put her on the couch. Dr. Griffin, please, you, you've you got to do something. I'll do everything I can. Mm. Pretty mast. bad. Concussion. The mast. It must have come loose and struck her. Please, please, Dr. Griffin. You've got to bring her back. She may come to any second. Or she may never come out of it. No, no, no. It isn't true. I wish it weren't. Her skull is crushed. The injury is a fatal one. No, no, it's only a surface wound. Perhaps an operation. We can get her to a hospital. Oh. Look, oh. look, she's coming too. Please, Richard, there isn't a chance.
7: Richard.
6: Yes, darling.
7: Oh, it, it wasn't my fault. The mask, it, it broke in the wind. Don't talk, my darling. I'm... I'm so sorry, Richard. Don't be unhappy.
6: You're going to be all right. Dr. Griffin says you're going to recover. No. You've got to hold on, darling. We'll get you to a hospital.
7: You, you've you been so good to me, darling. We've been very happy together.
6: <laughs> you can't leave me, Barbara. I won't live without you.
7: Oh. You... You mustn't say that.
6: If you die, Barbara, I don't want to live.
7: I'll always be near you. I'll come back. If it's possible.
6: You must. You must come back. You must. If you don't, I'll come to you.
7: No. No, I'll... Return, Richard. I'll return. Richard, I. She's oh. gone. <laughs>
6: <laughs> the men are ready to lower the coffin, Richard. You wish to pay your final respects. Final respects? This isn't the end. It's the beginning. Do you understand? The beginning. Barbara isn't gone. She'll come back. She said so. No, Richard. No one comes back from the grave. It's dangerous to believe that. Dangerous for your sanity. She'll come back. She didn't lie. All right, men. Lower the body. Did you hear that? Yes. Yes. The seagulls again. That wasn't a seagull. <laughs> I told you. That was Barbara's voice. Please,
4: Richard. It's only a girl.
6: No. It's her. She's calling to me. <laughs> she promised to return. You see? Barbara didn't fail. Me. You must stop this, Richard. You'll wind up in an asylum. You're a fool, Dr. Griffin. Oh the that coffin. Oh, it's her voice. No, no, no. Don't lower it. That sound came from the coffin. She might even be alive. She's dead, Richard. I want that coffin opened. We can't do that, Richard. There's no way of opening it now. We'll pry it open. Don't try to stop me, Dr. Griffin. All right. We'll open it. Here, one of you men. Break the seals at the top of the coffin. For heaven's sakes, hurry, hurry, Hurry. It will only be worse for you, Richard, if you look at poor Barbara again. Will you tell the man to hurry? The coffin's opened, Richard. Now you can see for yourself. Look. Look at her face. Her face? You wouldn't believe me. Look at her mouth. As if she had just called my name. Who is there? Dr. Griffin. Come in. The door is open. Oh! You took me by surprise, Richard. I didn't expect you to be sitting so close to the door. I'm sorry I startled you, Dr. Birkin. I just thought I'd drop in before I went to bed. Are are you waiting for someone? Yes, I am. What are you sitting in the dark for? Where's the light switch? I don't want any light. I prefer sitting in the dark. Richard, you're becoming very morbid. Don't you think you ought to get to bed? It's nearly midnight. Midnight. Yes, That's the time she'll come back. You really believe Barbara will come back? Yes, I'm sure she will. Well, we'll see. She'll come. If she does, it'll only be on your mind. Please be quiet. Well? Barbara! You've come! She's here! I know she's here. Oh, darling, you've kept your promise. Richard, stop it. Where's the light switch?
4: Put that light out. It was nothing. The wind opened the door. It was just a
6: coincidence that happened at the stroke of midnight. I didn't close the door properly when I came in. She was here. I felt her cheek on mine. You imagined it. Imagined it. Look, Dr. Griffin. Look at my cheek. My cheek. A teardrop fell on my cheek. It's not a teardrop, it's the rain. The wind blew some rain in through the open door. It wasn't the rain. Barbara was here. If you hadn't put on the lights, I would have seen her. you do come back on the grave. I... I heard about such experiences. Richard.
7: Richard.
6: Barbara. It's you.
7: Yes, It's darling. me. It's me. I promise never to leave
6: you. <laughs> about to give up. I was beginning to lose hope. How good it is to see you again? Yes, darling.
7: It's very good. I've been trying to come back.
6: Then it was you who opened the door at midnight. Yes,
7: Richard.
6: And it was your tears that fell on my cheek. Waiting for Rainey and Dr. Griffin, sir. Yes, Richard. That you, that I couldn't see you then I, I just felt you
7: it was very hard to return at all
6: what is that noise?
7: I don't hear anything Richard
6: that, that sound disturbs me makes me uneasy you're asleep fast asleep perhaps the sound will
7: fade away look at me Richard
6: well, I can see you much more clearly.
7: And the sound? Yes.
6: Yeah. It's fading out.
7: Perhaps we'll never be separated again. It's
6: so good to be with you again. Let me hold your hand. Wait. Why, how do you say that?
7: It's not yet time.
6: What do you mean?
7: You haven't crossed over yet. Can you still hear the banging?
6: Oh, just a little. Papa, don't go away.
7: I can't help it. Someone's dragging you away.
6: Don't let him. I don't want to go back.
7: I'll try to come back again, Richard.
6: I don't want to go back. I want to stay with you.
7: Goodbye,
6: Richard. 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 Wake up. Uh, Wake up. Good thing I heard the shutters banging. I came in to see what was making all this noise. You... You shouldn't have wakened me. (sighs) This box of pills. You took an overdose of these sleeping tablets. If I hadn't awakened you, you would have slept on until eternity. Barbara came for me. She was just about to take my hand. Perhaps if she had, you'd never have gotten up. I didn't want to get up. I wanted to be with Barbara forever. (laughs)
5: Dr. Griffin should be awarded the Order of the Inner Sanctum for saving the life of Richard Blake. If it weren't for the good man, our story would have come to an end in the middle of the program. And that would have been very inconvenient for all of us. As a reward, perhaps we'll just uh, wound Dr. Griffin a little bit instead of (laughs) polishing him off. Mm -hmm. But until we make up our minds... Here's a gentleman with an important message for
4: you. To keep you feeling on top of the world, medical knowledge proves that nature should produce about two pints of liver bile, the vital digestive juice your liver makes, each day. Otherwise, your food may not digest properly and leave you feeling dull, headachey, sluggish. Scientific facts show it takes a two-way treatment to get the vital digestive juice flowing quickly and to relieve sluggishness without disturbing digestion. Therefore, do as thousands now do, Take Carter's Little Liver Pills. First, because Carter's start the vital digestive juice flowing, usually within 30 minutes. Second, because Carter's gently help you to that glorious feeling that goes with regularity. Remember, many ordinary simple laxatives don't. But Carter's Little Liver Pills do give this two-way treatment. So take genuine Carter's Little Liver Pills as directed tonight. Tomorrow, see if you don't wake up feeling glad to be alive. Get Carter's at any drugstore. 25 cents.
5: Now we're ready to continue with our strange story. I hope you've all made yourself comfortable. If it's too warm for you, we'll be glad to chill you a bit. Or if it's too cold, we'll be glad to make it hot for you. As a matter of fact, from now on, you'll get it both hot and cold. The following
6: evening. Barbara, you must come back to me. Barbara. Barbara. Can you hear me? Perhaps she can't get in. She said it was hard for her to come back. I'll open the door. Barbara! <laughs> For a moment, there was a shadowy figure at the door. I did see something. She's here. Oh. It's you, Kitty. Barbara's pet. <laughs> Haven't seen you since Barbara died. Come here, Kitty. Who are you looking at?
7: Barbara... Right here, my vanity table.
6: For heaven's sake, Barbara, let me see you again.
7: My perfumes, they're all here.
6: Nothing has been touched, darling.
7: Here's my favorite, wild heather. I'll never wear it again.
6: Barbara, please don't go. Where are you?
7: Everywhere. Why can't I see you? Perhaps you will. You must both try. You must both try very hard.
6: I'll try, Barbara.
7: Goodbye, my darling.
6: No, not yet. Just another moment.
7: Goodbye, Richard. Barbara. Barbara.
6: She's gone. She's gone. Only you and I know she was here. Uh, Who is there? Oh, it's you, Dr. Griffin. I came back to see how you were. I don't need any help. I heard you shouting Barbara's name. You were mistaken, Dr. Griffin. Barbara's dress. It's lying over the chair. Did you take it out of the closet? No, Dr. Griffin. Of perfumes in the air. Oh, yes, there's a bottle of perfume overturned on the vanity table. Wild heather. That was Barbara's favorite, wasn't it? Yes, Doctor Griffin. You think Barbara was here, don't you, Richard? Huh? She was here. I spoke to her. And she'll come again. She said she would. And maybe the next time... I'll be able to see Barbara. See her. As she was. When she was alive.
2: I know you don't want
6: visitors, Richard. But you shouldn't be alone. I brought Miss Driscoll with me to look after you.
7: How do you do, Mr. Blake?
6: Barbara will be here soon. You haven't been eating. You've lost a lot of weight. Richard. Yes, that's a good thing. You've got to listen to me. There's <laughs> nothing you can tell me. You won't last at this rate. Look at you. Pale and lifeless. You're still alive, but you're living among the dead. But well, you've got to stop this. Huh. you don't, you wind up in an asylum. <laughs> an asylum. You still don't believe Barbara had come back. No, Richard. She hasn't come back. You saw for yourself the other night her dress, her perfumes. She came back. I spoke to her. You took the dress out of the closet yourself, and it was you who overturned the bottle of perfume. You are lying, Dr. Griffin. It wasn't me. You're trying to come between us. I won't let you. I won't. Barbara! Richard. I've
7: come back.
6: Darling. I can see you. Get me my bag in the hall, Miss Driscoll. Hurry. Huh. I can see you very clearly now.
7: Do I look any different?
6: No. You're even lovelier than ever.
7: Richard. We've got to meet each other halfway.
6: Richard. Yes, darling. I've been trying. I tried very hard.
7: I've brought some friends. They all want to meet you. Friends? Yes. This is Fred Rankin. You remember him?
6: Oh, Fred. how do you do, Richard? I'm Fred Rankin. But you're... You're dead. Yes. I've been dead for six years.
7: And this is Mr. Fielding. Remember him? He was your neighbor once. Killed by an automobile.
6: Yes. I've been dead for a long time. Ever since you were a young boy,
4: Richard.
7: And this is Mary Schofield. The girl you went to school with.
6: Barbara... Barbara, watch out. The mast. It's falling. It's falling.
7: Richard, help me. Help me. Help
6: me. It's Barbara. It's Barbara. She's out there in a boat. The mast is gone. I've got to save her. Before it's too late. You're not going anywhere. There's no one calling you. Nurse, help me get him back into bed. Let me go. Let me go. Stay here
7: with me. Let me go. Come back. Come back, Bridget! Well, he couldn't have swum very far in this short time, Dr. Griffin.
6: I caught sight of him just a moment ago.
7: Oh, oh, there he is. Yes, I see him. Yes, but he's going down. He's going up. Merciful heaven. Did you see? Yes,
6: he's gone down. But he was holding someone. I I could see her long black hair. It's no use. We'll never You say he was holding someone? Yeah. It looked like a woman.
7: She had long black
6: hair. It must have been seaweed. You see things in this twilight that don't exist. Imagination like fire. A good servant, but a bad master. I guess we had better get back.
5: Dr. Griffin lost the good fight. Mm Mm-hmm. He was gull crazy. Well, that was no gull. That was Richard's wife. Anyway, the Intersanctive Ghost Society is mad at Dr. Griffin because he's interfering with the drive for new members. Say, by the way, if um, you should hear the wild cry of birds in your next dream, don't be alarmed. It's just the spring is on its way. Be sure to read this month's inner sanctum mystery novel, The Smell of Money, by Matthew
4: Head, on sale at all bookshops. It's enough to make you shudder when you see what a boy or a girl can put in his or her stomach. Things you know would lay you low, yet they bounce out of bed in the morning just a and to go. That's youth for you. Yet thousands of people who should feel terrible tomorrow morning, considering the way they've insulted their digestive systems this weekend, may feel like a million tomorrow morning. Because tonight, they're going to act on a piece of advice from the book of medical knowledge. For medical knowledge proves that nature should produce about two pints of the vital digestive juice your liver makes each day. Otherwise, your food may not digest properly and leave you feeling dull, headachey, sluggish. Scientific facts show it takes a two-way treatment to get the vital digestive juice flowing quickly and to relieve sluggishness without disturbing digestion. Therefore, do as thousands now do. Take Carter's Little Liver Pills to get this two-way treatment you may need. First, Carter's start the vital digestive juice flowing, usually within 30 minutes. Second, Carter's gently help you to that glorious feeling that goes with regularity. Remember, many ordinary simple laxatives don't. But Carter's Little Liver Pills do give this two-way treatment. So take genuine Carter's Little Liver Pills as directed tonight. Tomorrow, see if you don't wake up feeling glad to be alive. Get Carter's at any drugstore. 25 cents.
5: Be sure to listen next week. For lovely Judith Evelyn will be back with us again in a a sweet little story just full of beautiful murder. Well, now it's time to close the squeaking door of the inner sanctum until next week. So, good night. Pleasant
7: (laughs) dreams.
4: Sanctum comes to you from New York. This is the Blue Network.
0: If you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video in San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week and closed on Wednesday And one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day old movies you can rent for 2 dollars for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain Video. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.